0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's good to be back. And, uh, you know, we are in the last week of our sermon series in First Peter. It was called Fresh Faith in a Hostile World. Fresh Faith, Hostile World. Kind of opposing things, right? And as we've gone through Peter, you've sort of felt that, haven't you? As he's talking about suffering, as he's talking about different things that we need to have in our mindset as we take on this life where we're pointing to him. Fresh faith, hostile world. You know, we said a few things. Fresh. What do we mean by that? Well, it's this dynamic faith. It's this life-altering faith. It's this renewing faith. We're going after something that is changing us. A faith not where we just concede to some fact, but we start living it out in a way that just starts changing us. Fresh faith. In what ways could it change us? Let me just review the last few weeks of what we've gone through in our series. We started Easter Sunday with, uh, it's worth celebrating. Do you remember Easter Sunday? When we packed it wall to wall in here and we went all out celebrating that faith for him. It impacts our life. It gives us a mission. It impacts our ability to follow him. It impacts my family. Remember that was husbands and wives week. Remember that? Some of you are like, I don't want to remember that. Yeah. It impacts our family, gives us a unique view of suffering. It impacts God's glory. It helps us to suffer well. And today, we're going to find out that it impacts the church. It impacts us right here, how we live and how we reflect him. Fresh faith. It can impact everything. It can change everything in our lives if we go after him in the right way. So let's close out this series in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're just answering this simple question. How should my passionate pursuit of Jesus affect the body? How should it affect the church? What are we called to do with our fresh faith right here? That's how we're closing out. That's how Peter chose to close it out as he worked with God. So that's how we're closing it out. First Peter chapter five, you know, we're going to have the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. We're just going to go through first Peter five, one through the end. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Okay, just raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. First Peter five. We're going to do the whole chapter. All right. So God's plan here, right? Our question is, so God, how do you want us to go about doing this thing? Right? We ended up in chapter four with this suffer well plan. How do you want us to go about doing this? Here's God's answer. First point, elders, shepherd the flock. He starts out chapter five, verse one. It says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. He's basically saying this, look, God is calling you to a very large calling. As a matter of fact, at the end of chapter four, it's kind of defined. It says, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrust your souls and go after it. It's a big calling. He says, here's plan number one. Let's get some leaders in place. We're going to care for you. It's not do this thing alone. It's not go off and try to just muscle it by yourself. It's, Let's get some leadership top-down where God is represented. Shepherding is taking place. Elders, shepherd the flock. Some of you are like, well, I thought we had five elders in the church. So now you're preaching to five people and the rest of us can go get some coffee? Is that the plan? And the answer is no, that's not the plan. We do have five elders. Let's go ahead and throw a picture up. These are our elders. Aren't they good-looking guys? So I'll just name them across from the left to right. On the left is Pastor Kent, and then I'm up top. That's me. And then down below is uh, Steve Belzer. He is our chairman of the Elder Board. And then Steve Hutton is top right. And Phil King, who is also the chairman of the Deacon Board, is the bottom right. These are our elders. These five guys, we meet together to try to execute exactly what God's calling for here. Okay? We're going to walk through the rest of point number one trying to help you understand, A, what God's calling us to do. And then in the beginning of point number two, there's a little bit of, so what's your job then? Okay, so let's walk through it a little bit. Make sure you grasp what a biblical church structure looks like and how God's calling the elders to participate. You can get those pictures off of there. You can go back to point one or whatever. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So it says, elders among you. As a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter does not say, I'm an apostle. Listen to me. He says instead, I am a fellow elder. Trust me, I know what you're called to. I have to do it too. He says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And this one we have to try to figure out a little bit because remember he did reject Christ three times and pull away. And yet there's a lot of suffering that peter went through I think what he's talking about here specifically is i've gone through it myself I've seen some of what christ went through and i've gone through it myself. Trust me I know what i'm calling you to when I call you to this And then he goes one more step and he says as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed I've got a lot of hope and as I look at my hope And as I look at my experience, and as I look at my like-mindedness to you, here's something I have to share with you. That's what Peter's saying. He doesn't trump card him with, I'm an apostle, just shut up and listen. He says, hear me, I'm in it with you. Okay? It's a big part of shepherding, by the way. I think he did it because it wouldn't go well to try to throw the dictatorship card, and then right after it, ask for shepherding. So he comes in and he says, hear me, I'm with you in this. Shepherd the flock. Okay. Okay. Question, what does shepherd mean? So I wrote a couple of things down. First of all, did you know this? In Old Testament times, it was like this big, high demanding job, no respect. Okay? The shepherding job, that was like, we give that to the slaves, or we give that to the youngest child. You know, it's the thing that keeps getting passed down. I don't want to do that. Why can't he do that? Right? So it just keeps getting passed along. The job of shepherding was viewed as menial, but necessary. It was viewed as a must, but not a must respect. You know, it was kind of a bummer job. It's interesting he chose the word shepherd here, considering that. He's not saying, I'm trying to lift them up. He's saying, I'm trying to define the job. It says, shepherd the flock. Let me ask you a couple questions. These are real questions. So I'm looking for an answer. Okay, you ready? Shepherding. If the sheep need feeding, the shepherd should... Feed them. That's a good answer. I like that answer. If the sheep are being attacked by a lion or a bear, the shepherd should protect them. them. That's a good answer. You guys are good. You should be shepherds. If the sheep are drinking from poison water, the shepherd should stop them. them. That's a pretty basic one, right? Don't drink there. That's not good for you. Let's get you over here where the grass is green. Look out, we're being attacked. I'm stepping in the middle. Do you hear it? Shepherding. It's very active. It's very involved. It's very sacrificial. It is about leading and guiding and protecting and feeding. It is about saying stop it sometimes, but it's mostly about providing that leadership and that protection, that care. Are they being fed? Do they know where they're headed? How are we doing together on this? Okay, shepherd the flock. That's what these five guys are called to do. Shepherd the flock. As we get together, our plan and our goal is not just to hang out and recognize how beautiful each other looks. You're supposed to respond to that. We're we're actually supposed to be sitting down with the goal, shepherd the flock, take care of what's going on. You know, we actually break down here at Harvest our role into three D's. Doctrine, discipline, direction. That's the way we define shepherding. Doctrine, discipline, direction. Doctrine. It's the feeding. Okay? What are we feeding on here? How are we doing with that? How are Sunday mornings feedings going? How is the small group feeding going? How is our study groups? What's going on in the men's or the women's? Are we staying on doctrinally? Feeding. Okay? So doctrine... Discipline. That is the the stop it mode. That's the we need to make sure that we clearly are caring for one another. And as we look to one another from a Matthew 18 perspective, where it talks clearly about stepping in. If someone is going away that is hurting them, they're taking that sin path, we do need to be friends with one another and care for one another, lean in with one another. And it's not the elders running around doing all that and nobody else does anything. It's we all together caring for one another, arms wrapped around each other, let's make sure we walk this thing in a way that honors God. And as we get along in the process, if there is someone that's getting into a harmful, habitual, they're hurting themselves with a sin that's just getting bigger and bigger, there's a time where we need to step in and say, we got to work this together. How can we stop this? It needs to stop. And we all together are going to work that out. It's not a step in and chastise. And then move away. It's a step of putting an arm around and saying, let's walk it together. Let's get this thing fixed together. That's what we mean by discipline. Okay. It's this idea of restoring, bringing back to full health. So doctrine, discipline, and then direction, making decisions about what's going on. What new ministries are we going to be doing? What ministries are we doing and how are they going? Is there something that needs to be changed in them? Where are we doing the ministries? Should we be getting a building? And how do we go about doing that? And what property should we be praying for? And all those kinds of things. The direction of the church. So doctrine, discipline, direction. As a matter of fact, what we do is we've, our outline says, number one, have pizza and pray together. And then number two, doctrine, discipline, and then direction. That's our outline each week as we get together. Sometimes there's nothing under it. We might not have anything under doctrine that week, but that's what we walk through. Know this. Your elders are very serious about leading and feeding and protecting. Okay? That's where we're at. All right. Who should we be shepherding? It says, shepherd the flock of God, so believers, that is among you, the local body of believers. This isn't a, hey, we were in D.C. last week and we were riding on the Metro and we met a believer and so I started shepherding them. That's not what it's a call to. It's not that that's wrong to care for somebody out there. Okay, hear me. It's okay to care for somebody on the Metro in D.C., okay? But that's not what this is calling to. This call is a call to make sure this local body is watched over. Where you're doing life, where you're growing as an elder, that's where you need to be providing care. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In other words, it's also saying this. Please, don't try to stand up and separate yourself as an elder. Don't try to be other and different and bigger and away from and then have them go do. It's more of a be among them. Do life with them. You know, there's a book that I read. uh, It was called They Smell Like Sheep. It was talking about shepherds and elders smelling like sheep because they spend so much time with the sheep. They're spending time with the sheep. They become like the sheep in how much they smell. That's what it's about. Do you respond with them? Do you act with them? Do you live with them? Do you like them? Do you have life with them? That's what our elders are called to. Okay? So it's shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's the who. How? How do we go ahead and shepherd? Notice it says, Exercising oversight these are some ing words So a little tip if you're ever looking in scripture and you see verbs like this where they're in the ing form That's like further clarifying. This is how you can go about doing it. Okay, so shepherd exercising oversight That means not overlooking like I didn't even look at it. It's oversight Like i'm watching over i'm making sure that they are cared for i'm making sure it's going well oversight I'm taking care of that problem. It's being managed Exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly We tie them down every other week and we don't let them out until some decisions are made That's not what it is. Okay. It's does this work for you in this season of life and where you're at and what's going on? Is this a moment where you can be serving the lord by serving as an elder? It takes a lot to serve as an elder. Why because we're not asking for one hour of decisions every other week We're asking for life with the body We're asking for decisions that come with life with the body. Eldership. It's a huge calling of time and effort and commitment. It should not come under compulsion, but willingly. Making sure they're there because they want to be there serving the Lord. Notice it says right after it, as God would have you. You know how much it shows God off when you're serving huge amounts of hours happily? That's a big deal. When you're showing God as you take these loads on, whether it be a little bit of time, but a lot, of bit of stress or whatever, you can honor God huge as you show that you want to be there with them. So it's not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. And then he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. I first struggled with why those two phrases are put together, not for shameful gain. Like don't make it all about you. How much money do I get paid to be an elder? You know that uh, how much respect am I going to get? Well, I get to stand up front and have people applaud me often like that kind of thing. That's not for that, please. But eagerly, nonetheless, I'm willing to be a part of this. I want God to be honored through my life. I'm ready to serve. Let's get it on. That's what it's talking about. Let's go make God shown off. Let's make this body reflect him like never before eagerly. That's what it's about. May God get the glory, not me. Okay. Okay. And then it says right after that, not domineering over those in your charge, not domineering over. In other words, it's not you go there, you do this. That was hard, <laughs> you know, and then we kind of fold our arms and we step back and we watch It's sort of the tyrannical leadership, you know, the, I have no idea what it's like to do what you're doing. Cause I've never done it, but doggone it. I told you to do it, go do it. That kind of thing. Domineering. Times where we're constantly judging and critiquing and pushing and bashing, but we're not actually willing to be a part of it with them. How do you know it's that way, Tim? Well, look what it says right after it. But being examples to the flock. It is all about leading, getting out in front. I told you this in one other illustration a while back, but the way shepherds lead is they get the staff, not groups of people, but they get a rod, right? And they get out in front, and they start walking in front, and they sing, or they whistle, or they do whatever, and the sheep follow the voice, right? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So they get out in front and walk, and the sheep follow. That's the role of a shepherd, okay? The role of a rodeo cowboy is to get behind and take the whip and start whipping at them And getting them to herd in and go forward in some semblance of direction, and you're driving hard. That is not what it's called. Okay? Shepherding is the I'm there with you, I'm leading it with you. Take a look at our elders who are small group leaders, who are coaches, who are involved in the finance teams, who are involved in every variety of ministry going on here at various levels. Our elders are involved. Be an example. Lead by being there and being out in front. Okay? That's eldership. That's leadership. That's God's plan to make sure that his call works out. You're like, you're giving me a lot of information about elders and I'm that one. What do I do with all this? Hang on. We're going to get there. Just a second. Okay? He says right at the end here, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You will receive the unfading crown of glory. So elders... Know this there may not be a reward here But there's one coming If we walk the right way and please hear that it's not hey good try being an elder You did it all wrong, but we'll give you a crown anyway. That's not what it is It's you weren't domineering. You were an example. You were involved in their lives You were taking care and exercising oversight crown of glory responding from that it's god saying well done thou good and faithful servant It's one of the many rewards. Don't really understand rewards all that much. But this crown, it says unfading. In other words, not earthly. Divine in its nature. Lasting for all eternity. God's thanks for your sacrifice to him to show him off. Okay? That is eldership. So when we talk about we're a church that is led by an elders group, that's what we're talking about. So now you've gotten a little bit of vision just uh, just a little statement here. Every other week, we get together from 5 o'clock until whenever, and uh, sometimes that's a two-hour thing and sometimes we're wondering if the sun's coming up soon, but we get together and we spend our time and we talk and we work through things. It starts with some pizza or maybe some subs if Kent decides to get really unique with us. And we get together for some basic food and just chit-chat and find out where things are at with people. And we pray for one another then. We spend some time just bringing the evening to prayer before the Lord. And then praying for each other's families and needs. So that time goes on. Then we walk through the doctrine, the discipline, and the direction. With a lot of time, honestly, being spent in direction right now. Because we've got a body that really gets who God is and is on fire. And things are going great. So we're moving in that direction. There's doctrine, discipline, and direction. We do those pieces, and then we close out in prayer. That's a given week. Sometimes we meet every week, depending on what's going on. Right now, we've been able to meet every other week for a while. It's been an awesome opportunity for the five of us to rally together and just be able to say, God, may you be glorified in this body. You need to know that's going on. Uh, This isn't happening because Kent and I just sit down and decide what we're going to do, and we just go run amok and do whatever we want. There's an elder board we're working with, and we're making sure that the vision and the direction and the whole of it falls with these five guys in full consensus, total agreement. Now, when I say that, I got to be careful. It doesn't mean we'd all say, hey, this is absolutely my number one, and we're waiting until everybody's number one is found, right? Leading in consensus means we all can agree that this would be a good thing to step forward with. It definitely is within the sphere of what we could accept, okay? That's a big deal. Like we're not saying it's 50% rule and if we get at least 50% vote we're in. We're not doing that. We're all going to agree that this thing can be lived with and it can be a good thing for the body or we're not going there. It's really important that you know that. So we're spending time praying over, working through and wrestling with what does God have next and how does he want us to go about this and what things maybe which should we address? Do me a favor, when you see some of those five faces, go ahead and throw the faces back up there. When you see these faces in the hallway, just Say thanks. You know the scriptures are basically saying it's not going to be about their glory. Okay, they're not doing it so they finally got this thank you in the hallway where you walk up and you're like, hey, thanks for what you're doing. Finally, finally, I get a thank you. Like that's not what it's about. Okay, but do recognize these guys and just say hey, thanks for what you're doing. It takes a lot of sacrifice, and let me tell you, the families of these guys pay the price too. Think about Satan attacking the church. What could be a good way to bring down the church if you can bring down leadership, right? What's a good way to bring down leadership let's go bring down the family and whatever family members I have to hit and whatever Just be praying for them. Okay, it's a great way for you to wrestle with god's got a plan for this church And it's eldership. It's leadership from the top down be praying for them Be praying for what's going on quite honestly be praying for the next elders that are coming We need to be praying for the broadening of leadership around here and what does god have in store? These are great things for you to be doing actively to say, let's go after it. Okay, that's to handle the 895 people that are here today. So the five. Elders, we got a job. And we got to make sure that we keep on our job. We have to make sure that it looks exactly like he says here. That we are exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have us. That we are not doing it for shameful gain. It's not about us. We got to keep making sure it's about him. May we constantly be lifting him up. May we never be found to be controlling and domineering, but directing, shepherding, protecting. That's God's plan. How are we going to make sure that this church is built in a way that he's constantly honored? Elders, shepherd the flock. Point number two, a fresh faith. Here you go. This is your job now. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. We start out in verse five. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Likewise, you who are younger, subject yourselves to the elders. He's basically saying this. I need you to recognize that I've put them in leadership. Help them lead. Well, how do you know it says that, Tim? Well, let me turn to another passage. Hebrews 13:17. If you want to turn there with me, you can. Hebrews thirteen 17. we're just going to spend just a moment there I'm here in pages flip so I'll hang on Hebrews thirteen seventeen. This is a passage where the writer of Hebrews is addressing how in the world do we work with this plan of leadership? What should it look like? Okay? This is what he says Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls Okay, so we just covered that part, right? We're asked to keep watch over your souls. And so there's this subjection call this. I'm going to help you lead. I'm going to allow you to lead in that. It says, as those who were going to give an account, the elders have to give an account for their shepherding. Did you know that? There's a day where we're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, let's talk about how you did taking care of my people. That's a big moment for us. He says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Your call is to allow God to lead as you allow the elders to lead Now this is not a tyrannical moment where you don't get any talk and any interaction and we want to hear and we want to hear what's going on But at the same time it is God leading through this group of elders out into the body Help us do that That's one of your calls is to allow that to be going on. Well, how do you do that? I'm telling you the word humble is a big word He says clothe yourselves all of you with humility notice. It doesn't say clothe yourselves All of you non-elders, it doesn't say that, right? Every one of us must be putting on this article of clothing. Humility. You, me, all of us, we need to get dressed with this daily, regularly, ready to put down our pride, ready to make it about others. Humility. I defined it this way. Humility. It's others first. Maybe that's a simple 2 worder Others first. Lord, who could I take care of? Maybe that's what a prayer would look like from a humble perspective. Not, Lord, how come they're not taking care of me? But, Lord, who could I take care of? You know, quite often when we come to a church, we come in buffet shopping. You know what I mean? It's like you're walking down the aisle and you're going, wow, they've got nice sausage and muffins and we've got pancakes and I'll take a little of that. I don't want any of that. I'll move over here and now we've got some kind of lunchtime brunch things and we've got some meats and potatoes and put a little of that on and can't wait to get to that dessert bar for meat, right? We have to be careful coming here is more than just about what's good for you personally the Lord's called you here to bless this body with what he's gifted you with what is your role in giving impacting that's humility as you clothe yourself with God how can I care for others and who might it be it's a big moment of being able to recognize God's about getting you about other people it says clothe yourselves with humility toward one another notice that not toward God Not, yeah, I get who God is, and I'm falling underneath him. It's, how are you doing with the person to your left and to your right? Are you understanding that it's about thinking about them and their best needs and interests? Toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Just so you know, this verse is also quoted in Proverbs 3.34. It's in James 4.6. God opposes the proud. Yikes. That's probably not a place you want to be, right? So if God opposes the proud and I want to be on God's side, the answer is don't be proud, okay? Set it down. It's no more of the I will be like the most high. It will be about me. Maybe here's another way to say it. Out of the vast galaxies in the universe and the multiple stars and planets and all these items and we're zooming all the way down into one of them, earth, And now you zoom down into a continent and into a country and into a state and into a city and into a town And into your home and then to you and we're going it's gonna be about me (laughs) Right. Are you seeing the miss? It isn't about that Let's get off of making it all about me and saying what does the creator of the universe have in store? And which way do you want to head and how can I get in line with that? That's to clothe yourselves with humility. Lord may you be glorified. Okay, that's where he's going He says right after that, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Remember that universe picture? The mighty hand of God. I mean, we got just a taste of it last night. As we see a couple of tornadoes coming through, and sirens going off everywhere, and everybody's lives stop, and some lives have been greatly affected as of today, and we're not even exactly sure who or where yet. We're still trying to figure it all out. That was a tornado. That was 50-mile-an-hour winds or 70-mile-an-hour winds. Imagine the mighty hand of the God of the universe who speaks and things are created and he will oppose those who are standing up and saying it's about me. But he will lean with you if you say it's all about you. That's where you want to be. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then it says so that at the proper time he may exalt you. I really appreciate this about Peter. This is what he's recognizing. If we say, fine, God, it's all about you. In the back of our minds, we got to admit there's always this little voice saying, what about me? Right? When do I get taken care of? I mean, come on. Is it just me or is it you too? It's just me. Okay. So join with me in this going, at least Peter asked the question, right? So what about me? He says, let me tell you. Uh, that will be at the proper time. That he may exalt you. Okay, so that is not in my time. That is not in this time. May not even be in next time. It's in the proper time. When is that? Not exactly sure. I can tell you that for sure, That's this moment when there is everything done. You're in perfection with him in heaven. For sure then. Before then, quite possibly, depending. But we're not actually promised that. God will deem it. God will choose it. Let it be about him. And in the proper time, you will be exalted. You have a job. Not to make sure you're getting the R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but instead making sure you're handing that out. You're doling that out. Humble yourself. Let God lift you up. This is a big deal, okay? All of us, every single one of us, Need to be clothing ourselves with this. Others first. God will choose the time. Well, I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little concerned about my own stuff then. Yeah. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Okay, I hear a lot of people quote this verse and they start at the comma. Oh, I got these worries and struggles. Casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Right? And that's great. It's a truth. But notice it's an ING word. Remember what I said? ING tells you how. This is a how do I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. So as we talk about casting all your care upon him, know this. It's regular. It's repetitive. It's a constant ongoing event. I do it today. I do it this afternoon. I do it tonight. I do it tomorrow. I keep going with giving my anxieties to him. And that's how I'm humbling myself under his mighty hand. Lord, you take over. I'll do what I can do, but I'm handing the rest to you, okay? I'm trusting you. It is humble. When we say, I'm not giving it to God, I'm going to fret on this, I'm going to continue to try to figure out all the things that could go wrong, I might even try to control the end results when it's not mine to control, I will step in. Do you hear it? I will be like the most high that's a pride statement and we better be careful as we start trying to over control we're losing the humility factor we're losing our step of going under the mighty hand of god and it can be a grave moment in our walk with him this can deeply impact your worship if you're not really humble are you really going to be seeing him for who he is as we're trying to get everybody to see us for who we are Let me just say it this way as he ends here. It says because he cares for you You will be cared for the absolute best possible Hand the keys to the car over You will be watched over you will be protected. You will be walked through whatever is needed God knows what's going on. Trust the almighty and hand it to him cast your anxieties upon him He will care for you. You know, let me just say this. Three steps to humbling yourself. Ready? Three steps to humbling yourself. Number one, recognize who God is. I'm not talking about some little, I got a name or I wrote something down or I'm talking about like an experiential moment where you're letting the word of God and the truth from his word pour into the moment you're going through. And it changes the way you respond to whatever situation you're in, because now you get him a little more and you hand a little bit more over to him and he reaches in and his power and his love and his peace and his presence just change you now you're getting who he is you you see what i'm saying i'm not talking about yeah i know i got it capital g little od that guy no i'm talking about the one who has altered my life that guy i'm talking about my strong tower not a strong tower my strong tower in my tough moment he has become real I get who God is. I'm seeing him move. I'm seeing his hand, and I'm seeing how it's all about his glory. May I take this and just turn it around back to him as a thank you offering? Recognize who God is, number one. That's a big job. How do we become humble? Number one, recognize who God is. Number two, recognize who we are and aren't. Like, understand your giftedness, understand what God's called you to, your talents, your passions, all those things, But please also understand the smallness of you compared to your God. All too often, we stop looking at God and we start looking only at ourselves and we start seeing ourselves as very big people until we start describing ourselves in the vastness of the universe and how one spoken word put it all into motion and his presence alone holds it all together. As we start comparing ourselves to that, we're like, yeah, I'm a little smaller than that, right? That's what we need to be seeing ourselves as. Who are we in light of our God? Make sure we know God. Make sure we know ourselves. But know ourselves in light of him. Okay? I'm not talking about this total self-degradation where we constantly think horribly of ourselves. That's not it. That's wrong too. He's given great gifts and abilities and talents. And he wants that impact in this local body. Make sure you let him work. Okay. Third. Manage your responsibilities. Do not manage the end results. You hear that? Manage your responsibilities. Do not manage the end results. Humility is not, I'm going to control what every other person in here is thinking so that I get it the way I think it should be. Humility is not, I'm going to go and do my thing and then I'll do your thing and then I'll do his thing and her thing and I'll make sure this thing is done all right because I'm everywhere, right? Are you hearing it? I will be like the Most High. Be careful. That's how it falls apart. Manage your responsibilities, not the end results. Welcome to casting your anxiety upon Him. At the end of the day, you need to be able to say, What have I been called to do and gifted to do? And did I do it? God, the rest is yours. You know, there was an old Indian proverb. They basically said, When you're caught in a canoe being dragged downstream, pray to God but paddle away from the rocks. Do your part, but recognize you need to trust in him. That's what it's about, okay? Humbly approaching him. It's casting your anxiety upon him in a practical way. All right, two little quick quotes that I put down about humility. Chuck Swindoll, there is no smaller package than a man wrapped up in himself. You gotta like that one. Thomas Watson, pride is trying to un-God, God. Trying to say, I'll be like the most high. May we step away from pride and totally clothe ourselves with humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. This place will be just on fire for Jesus Christ. If each and every one of us in each and every chair in each and every row is saying, What do you want done in my life, Lord? I'm sitting under your mighty hand. We will be an amazing reflection of him. That's where we're headed. To God be the glory. We're first called to have elders that are shepherding powerfully, shepherding the flock. Second, may we all, each and every one of us, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then third, stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. He says in verse eight, be sober minded, be watchful, be sober minded. Have you heard that word before? Three times now he's put it in here. He put it in uh, chapter one, verse 13, chapter four, verse seven, and now in chapter five, verse eight, be sober minded. No distortion in your thinking. Make sure you're thinking clearly. Basically, have your head screwed on straight. That's what he's saying, right? Okay. Be watchful. Keep your eyes peeled. Why? Why would we do those things? Uh, because your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Know this. There's a hunt going on. Bad news for you. You're the prey. Be watchful. Okay. The devil, like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. I looked up how many people have been devoured by lions and blah, blah, blah. I, you wouldn't believe how many weird answers you get. One was 500, another was a million. So I don't know. So I won't use that illustration with you. It's just bizarre, the the breadth of answer on that. Maybe you should just say, I don't know. Wouldn't that be good? Okay, whatever. So you're being, you're a prey and you're being pursued. Be watchful. I can tell you this, my daughter, Megan, and I, we went out deer hunting last year. It was her first year out deer hunting. And uh, Megan had sat still for um, about six minutes in her life. So as we go out to go deer hunting and you have to sit all day long, right? I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm not sure it's going to make it. And so we have her and me sitting side by side and she's doing really well, just sitting still and learning to be watchful. And she's looking this way and looking that and I'm teaching her little sounds like, did you hear that? That's a squirrel barking that usually means that there's something coming through and you want to pay attention and so there could be something down there and it's usually something a little bigger and sure enough a raccoon comes through you know and so you see you don't know what it is but you know something and and we hear the blue jays squawking and now when those squawks something's going through its territory and pay attention and and sure enough there goes a deer running across the uh, far side and like things like that teaching to be watchful you know so we're sitting there on our third day and there's this sound that of birds chirping and whatever down there And she's looking at it and trying to figure out what's going on And maybe that means something And, and, and I hear Over here Like this loud snapping sound And I'm thinking, that's a big squirrel Or we got a deer coming through, you know what I mean? So I look over and I'm watching And sure enough, I see this ear coming up over the rise of the hill And then a full head and then a neck And the whole deer comes up over the side And I look back at Megan And, and she's looking at the bird sounds She's being watchful, sort of, right? And she's looking this way, and so I go, Back. God. 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 Right? One of those? And she goes, like this, and the deer sees that and freezes. And they're opposing each other by about thirty five yards, and she's sitting there with gun down, staring at it now, and I'm staring at her, and the deer's staring at her. And we're all watching, like, what's gonna happen? You know? And we just sit there watching. It took about ten minutes and finally she just starts cracking up. She's just laughing. And the deer kind of wanders off. I go, what were you doing? She goes, that was hilarious. (laughs) Okay. We go along and we learn as we go. And I'm telling you, she was figuring out how things work. I guarantee you next year, it's going to be a little different, a little bit more watchful, a little bit more prepared. That's the way we are in life. We need to be going along, growing and learning as we go. And in the beginning, we ain't going to be all that tight on it. We're going to be getting a little bit better on it. But we need to be learning to watch for things that are signs of we're tired. We're exhausted. We're blowing it. We're getting off the humility. It's starting to get to be about me. Maybe it's even I can sense that I'm getting pressed by the evil one. I'm feeling some, right? Watch. You are being attacked. You are being prayed. He says, resist him firm in your faith. Resist him firm in your faith. Notice it doesn't say hunt him down and kill him. Right? It says resist him. From the Nehemiah perspective, take your position on the wall and give no ground. That's what it's saying. Stand firm in your faith. Resist him. Basically, it's claim the words of truth, right? Like we said before, fight right. When you're fighting the devil, declare the truth. That's what it's about. Resist him through the declaration of what's right. Resist the wrong thinking. Do not move in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We're all in it together. This isn't unique. It's not just me. Don't go to the woe is me phase. We're all in this together. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself do the following. Know this. God has called you to an eternal perfection with him. And there is hope of an awesome experience with him where we are no longer prey, where we are no longer stumbling. Where we are no longer standing firm because we have to resist. But instead, we're just reveling in the glory of our God for all eternity. God with a plan. It says he will do the following four things. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. I wrote a few things down here. Restore his hand healing. Confirm his presence reassuring. Strengthen his power altering. And establish his will positioning. I'll just read them again. Restore his hand healing. Confirm. It's his presence reassuring. Strengthen his power altering. Establish his will positioning. God at work in your life. Healing, reassuring altering or transforming and positioning he's got a plan and he's working with you powerfully what is peter's summary of that verse 11 to him be the dominion forever and ever amen peter's like well you know what that's a pretty awesome thing let's 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 let let's let him be in charge let's do that let's 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 let god be in charge forever that's how peter summarizes all of first peter you know what let's just let god be in charge Why don't we do that and see how things work out to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen You know, here's the neat part if we as a church do this Look at the example in verses 12 to the end real quickly of what you can be We could be viewed as sylvanus a faithful brother We could be viewed as standing firm in the grace of god Verse 13. It says she who is at babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings You know the church was referred to in the feminine form back then she this is the church at babylon Send you greetings we can be dynamic and interactive and impactful to those around us as reviewed as faithful Standing firm in the grace of God greeting one another and bringing peace to one another you and me with this hope This church can rock this community for his glory May we stand firm in our faith. May we not be taken and dragged away But may we instead take our position on the wall and give no turf. Stand firm. Stand with your arms high, with your heart totally open to him, with your passion all about him. Stand firm. May you not give any turf. Here's my question. What is it you're wrestling with? What is it that tends to drag your view away where you set it down and you start worrying yourself. What's the worry this week, this moment, that's kind of welling up and that anxiety is taking over? Are you ready to set it down and say, I'm humbly letting you lead this, Lord. It's all about you. And now, may I just take my position on the wall and stand. Stand for you. Stand for your glory. Stand for your honor. That's our calling to impact this church with our fresh faith. Let's pray.